Okay, the passage is uh, Philippians 2, 12 to 18. I'm just going to read it off to start. Um, that picture came with my keynote PowerPoint presentation already in there, so I just decided to leave it. Um, so, uh, verse 12. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now, even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to will and to act for his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless and a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. Home firmly, hold firmly the message of life, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run in vain or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And the same way, you also should rejoice and share your joy with me. I'm just going to give you some, uh, some background information on, uh, on Philippians. Uh, Philippi is a city in Macedonia. Under the, uh, came under control of the Romans in about 160 B.C. Uh, Macedonia was divided into four parts, um, four cities. And uh, Luke says in Acts 16.11 uh, that it's, it's the leading city of the district of Macedonia. Um, it was an important city in eastern Macedonia because it was highly it was in a highly strategic location. Uh, the city was in charge of commanding land routes to Asia Mi- Minor. Uh, the Philippians were considered citizens of Rome, so they took great pride in that, great joy in that. Uh, they're you know exempt from taxes and all sorts of stuff. They had all the privileges of a Roman citizen. Um, the church contained a lot of diversity there. There's a lot of Gentiles um, in Philippi. And I just want to make a side note because I read something the other day about diversity in a church, which I'm thankful that our church has a lot of diversity. Um, I was reading Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper, and it just talks about leadership. Uh, Christ is exalted in his leadership through diversity. Um, a lot of leaders can gather one group of following of one kind of person, but not a lot of leaders can gather a following or a crowd from every tribe, tongue, and nation, unified under him for his glory. Uh, so Christ's leadership is supreme. I just want to say that, which is really awesome that Christ is glorified through diversity in our church. Um, so Paul has a really good relationship. That's what I found. He has a really affectionate relationship with the Philippian church. Um, it, was his very, it was his very first church that he started on his, on, in Europe. Um, after he came to Philippi on his second missionary journey, um, that's when he did it, and when he established that church there, uh, he was directed by the Holy Spirit, we need to remember, in Acts 16. He was given the vision in the night and sent there to Macedonia. The man was crying out, saying, come help me, Paul. So he came there and uh, did his evangelizing there. Um, so that was definitely God's doing. God definitely had his target set on Philippi. Um, so with that, we are going to get into the text. Let's see if this works. Nice. Okay. So this is where our passage um, falls. I just want to give you a brief outline. Um, 
his circumstance in verses 1, 12 to 26. Uh, then he gives his main exhortation in the book. It starts, it's 127a, just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come, that's the main exhortation right there, it's just a, uh, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. And then he goes on and gives his exhortations. He says, stand firm in Christ, 127b to 30. Uh, he says, be humble by following the example of Christ, 2, 1 through 11. He gives that Christ him. Um, about all about the humility and the, and the humbleness of Jesus Christ. And then he turns it to the Philippians and says, he gives the exhortation. Um, so that's where we fall. I just want to make that. It's the third exhortation that he gives. Um, so then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, the phrase, my dear friends, Paul often uses that in his letters uh, before he gives um, an exhortation. So it's, a lot can be, yeah, a lot can be derived from that. Uh, his relationship with the church can be derived from that. He says, my, that's possessive, that's his. By the way, I just want to clarify, I wrote this paper like on Philippians 2, 12, 18 from my Greek class. So I'm not trying to be arrogant in my Greek. I'm just, I'm just uh, it's how I wrote the paper. So there's going to be a lot of Greek things in there. Um, I just wanted to clarify that. So my dear friends, uh, my is possessive. Uh, he's very affectionate for his, his believers, his brothers in the faith. Um, it also shows a sense of that they're loved by God. Um, they're brothers. So uh, those are just some examples where he uses that same language before he begins an exhortation. Just as you have always obeyed, um, okay, this, this word, hupekusita, is, I know, sorry, it's uh, a combination of two words. Uh, it's an aorist tense, which signifies that it's, an aorist tense signifies something that's undefined or something that happened in the past, but we don't really know too much about what it does now. It's, it's undefined. But by him using this word, he just brings back to memory all of the history that, that Paul has with the Philippian church. He's saying, just as you have always obeyed when I was with you, is almost implied, when I was with you and, did, and I exhorted you and taught you all this stuff. Um, so it just it gathers into one thought the whole recollection of his work at Philippi. Um, this is really cool. I, I really think this is cool. The lexical form of this is, um, is from two words. Hupo, right here, if you can see, uh, means under. Okay, and then kustata is from akuo, which is where we get the word acoustics. Okay, so that's like hearing. So literally it means um, placing yourself under what you have heard. So that's just what it kind of gets to. So he's saying, when I was with you and I gave you the word and you placed yourself into submission under this word, that's where we're starting. Not only in my presence... But now, even more in my absence, uh, they had the privilege of walking with Paul. Uh, you know, sometimes we like to think that Pastor Mike is a good, you know, I'm trying to pub him up, making him feel awful, but uh, a good teacher, a good preacher, a good pastor. But uh, these guys had the Apostle Paul to walk with, and they, that's, that's a privilege. He's probably the greatest teacher and missionary that the world has ever seen, except for Christ. Um, just an amazing encouragement and leadership from the Apostle Paul, uh, direct doctrine, 
um, to correct things, uh, which is a side note with that. The Philippian church was a very pure church. They under they underwent a lot of suffering, and um, what's the point in sticking around if you're going to suffer, if you're not really a believer? So this is a very pure church. Um, so just an application to the hearers. Uh, it's the mark of maturity. I find it in myself a lot. When we're not here under a teacher or with people who are leading us in the faith, how are we acting? That's what I got out of that. Um, that's the true mark of maturity. What does your life look like when no one else is around? Uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, this has often caused us a lot of problems today uh, with a lot of people. Um, <laughs> It's also seen as a contradiction in the theology of Paul. Uh, God saves the one that does not work in Romans 4. So what do we do with this? Well, let's understand what it doesn't say. (laughs) It doesn't say work for your salvation. It says work out your salvation. Actually, I looked up a word study book by Wiest. His last name is Wiest. Um, I think he's German. But he says uh, it's like a mathematics thing. We need to work out our salvation like mathematics and bring it to completion or, or to its full. Jen knows all about that. I don't really know too much about math. But um, but no one can work out salvation unless God has already worked it in. Um, it's the sense of mathematics, like I said. Uh, it's carrying, carrying it to our ultimate goal or conclusion. Okay. Katergadzesta, uh, I know that's, sorry, Greek word again. But it's the present tense, which places emphasis on the continuous action. Paul is saying, in effect, that he's saying, uh, you need to continuously work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And um, I remember from a message that Pastor Mike preached a while ago on Luke 13, it brought me back to this example. Um, Lord, are there a few that are being saved? He said, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because I tell you, Many will try to enter and won't be able to. And that word, make every effort, is from the word agonizomai, which is where we get the word agony. Strive to enter the kingdom of of heaven with agony. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling continuously. Just fight for your salvation. Um, With fear and trembling, uh, the misunderstanding, God is not a cosmic police agent. He's not trying to look down on you and whack you every time you mess up. Um, if you're truly a child of God, God loves you. He's doing things for your best interest. Um, this, this should be the mindset of the believer with fear and trembling. Do you trust yourself is the main question I got out of this. Um, I don't because I know when it's left up to me, I know how I'll act. Uh, I'll run away from God if it's up to me. I've seen it in my life time and time again, but I've seen a faithful God who always brings me back. Um, we should have humble reliance on the divine aid. Uh, I was speaking to the president of my college, and I just really respect him a lot. He, uh, I, see his, I see his recognition of his inadequacy to fulfill his, his duty as the president, but I see his humble reliance and dependence upon God, that God will equip him to do what he is enabled to do. Uh, that's, and that's what we're going to see in the next verse. Uh, we need to be scared of ourselves. And when you see inadequacy, but be confident in God that equips you, as we'll see in verse 13. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. For is the clarification. It points back to the previous verse. Um, 
Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because God is the one working in you. Uh, the glorious truth. That's insane. The theology in that is ridiculous. God works in you. He, is, he lives in the believer. Um, he enables the believer to work. You can't do it on your own. You can't, no one can try to strive to enter the kingdom of heaven on their own. They can't work. Works won't get you there. You need the Holy Spirit inside of you working through you. And I thought this was crazy. Um, God's spirit in us gives us the desire. He's the giver of desire and passion um, for the gospel. Identification with the principle. Um, I struggle with this a lot. Um, this is a point of where I was struggling with it a lot. Like, I catch myself so often saying, like, I don't have passion for the gospel. I don't. And I get frustrated. I mean, I feel like I never have a true passion or gospel for I mean, I do at times, but I, I just feel like there's so often in my life that I can look and say, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I don't have enough passion for gospel. Like, if Christ came down and died for me and took me out of dark and brought me into glorious truth, why can't I live this way? Um, I was reminded of a psalm, uh, Psalm 119, 33-37. We just have to remember that God is the giver of passion and desire. He says, teach me, O Lord, the meaning of your statutes, and I will always keep them. Help me understand them. Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> Help me understand your instruction, and I will obey it and follow it with all my heart. Help me stay on the path of your commands, for I take pleasure in it. Turn, your heart to, to your decre- turn my heart to your decrees and not to material gain. Turn my eyes to from looking at what is worthless. Give me life in your ways. And I feel like I take a lot of comfort in that idea. I can't, I'm, I just feel like I can't rely on myself to trust in God. I need God to work through me. Lord, incline my heart to you. I, I need you more. Um, I don't know, I just, I hate that feeling of feeling that my faith isn't good enough. And I, I just constantly need the reminder that I need to trust in God uh, for my desire and my faith. Um, so why should we work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Um, for his good purpose and pleasure. The Greek word uh, eudikios literally means great enjoyment and satisfaction. And that's crazy because we were sinners and we had nothing that we were doing that was pleasing or acceptable to God. We were headed in the opposite direction of God, we were in rebellion and we wanted to go against him. God took, we were children of wrath. God was not pleased with us. He, he hated the actions that we were doing and he hated the way we were. But God will gloriously change a sinner through the grace of Christ. And um, he would take enjoyment and satisfaction in us. That's a complete opposite and it's just a glorious truth. God's satisfaction in us is true worship. Uh, I love John Piper's definition of worship. Worship is satisfaction in Christ and God. That's his definition of it. And I think that's a very accurate definition. And it's just, it just, it works both ways, man. Like, when we're satisfied in Christ and God, he is satisfied in us. We were doing what we originally intended to do. We were worshiping God. He was being satisfied in our maker and our creator. So... Do everything without grumbling and arguing. 
it's connected to the, the previous two verses, not just um, the last statement. Um, this is supposed to be the attitude of the believer. This is pretty cool. Um, the Greek word for grumblings is gongusmon. <laughs> gusmon. It's in the Septuagint a lot because of, you can guess, Israel's wanderings in the desert, constantly grumbling. It's an emotional feeling. Um, you can see it in our lives, too. How often do we get placed in that position in our life, and we just wonder why God? And it's an, it's an emotional feeling of uh, just, just grumbling and murmuring against God. Um, like I said, it was used constantly in the, old, in the Septuagint, uh, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament for anybody. This principle seems to have been present. So the, the Apostle Paul was very familiar with the Torah, and he probably had in mind, I mean, he's not, he knows the Torah like the back of his hand. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He knew his stuff. Um, so he uses this really similar language, do everything without grumbling and arguing. And um, in the next verse, we'll see that he uses even similar language to a reference in Deuteronomy that makes me think that he's referring back to the Israelites wandering from the desert. Um, the word for uh, arguing comes from our word dialogismos, uh, or dialogue, or you could, you could think argument or reasoning, and um, it's an intellectual term. Uh, how often do we go through circumstances in our life, and after grumbling, we try to make reasons and arguments against God for the position that he's placed us in? Well, God, it doesn't make much sense that we're in this position because I would glorify you more like this like we know what's best for God. Um, the root of this attitude is satisfaction in Christ. Uh, we can't be satisfied. Like we, can't, we can't act like this. I mean, I feel like I do this a lot, too. I feel like I know what the truth is. I know the Bible. And I'm put in a situation sovereignly by Christ. And I'm like, oh, well, this, I have to be obedient, but this sucks. You know, like this, sorry, is that wrong? He said sucks from the altar or the pulpit. But um, I feel like I do that a lot, and that's not the right attitude of a believer. That's sin. You're not being satisfied in Christ and God. And it's not wrong to, I mean, it's, it's, only, it's, it's human, but it, it's, it's sin. You can't think that you know better. You know, this is the same thing we're talking about with the shootings in Connecticut, you know. Why, God? Why would you do this? this how is this glorifying me? Why would you want this? His ways are not ours. His ways are higher. Just be content, be satisfied in Christ. Uh, so that. So that is a, sorry, I'm using all this stuff. Subjunctive mood, which uses, it's, it's used to express purpose. Why? Why should we do all this? Why should we be obedient and work out our salvation with fear and trembling without intellectually arguing and without emotionally grumbling against God? Um, this is the language that I was saying directly mirrors the language in Deuteronomy 32. Um, it says this, His people have acted corruptly toward him. This is their defect. They are not his children, but a devious and crooked generation. It seems like the complete opposite of what Paul is saying. He's uh, using language that is saying, listen, don't do this. Don't be like them. Um, don't disobey where Israel failed, like, like Israel did. Um, so what should we do? 
Actually, I shouldn't say that. I think this is hold firmly to the message of life. Uh, there's two ways that you can take that. Um, a lot of scholars say hold firmly to the word of life. That's your shield. You need to hold to that, to, to, the, to the message of life. <clears throat> but there's another sense that says hold forth the word of life. So that you may be so it's, it, so it could read like this so that you may be blameless and pure children of, of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation um, among whom you sh- you shine like stars in the world holding forth the message of life saying like this is the message of life uh, believe it it shines in darkness and I think it's both I think you can I, I just gonna take both concepts I think we need to hold firm to it because it's our shield. It's our, it's our essence of truth. It's how we be, come to the knowledge of God. And I think we need to show it to others. Um, how many of us have taken the message of life to non-believers in the last week? Um, it's convicting when I think about that. Romans 1.16, uh, for the gospel is the power of God and salvation for all who believe, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. Uh, the gospel, the message of life, is how people are going to come to knowledge of faith. It's not through... Words that we say, it's not through anything that we do, or it's because of them hearing the true gospel and them seeing the true gospel in us, and then they're going to come to faith through that if God grants them repentance. Um, I think this is really cool. This is like, this is convicting when I read this, that I didn't run or labor for nothing. Um, so he says, do all this stuff, you know, shine, shine like lights in a dark and perverted generation. Hold firm to the message of life. Why? Um, then He says, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. This is Paul's purpose. This is his entire purpose of life. This is where he sees himself as. Um, it's, it's a perfect example of the shepherd's heart. Uh, the Philippians, is that hard to see? Yeah. The Philippians holding fast the word of life and being blameless and pure in a sinful world is what gave him worth. That's what gave the Apostle Paul meaning. Um, seeing others succeed in Christ is what he was all about. The, and, and he gauged the success of his ministry upon, his, the, upon um, whether the believers in Philippi chose to live out their calling or not. That's what it was all about to Paul. And um, the application for this is, do you enjoy seeing others thrive in Christ? And I feel like I do. You know, this is so bad because I'm, I'm like, I have a lot of pride in me and like I enjoy seeing others thrive in Christ, but sometimes I feel like I have the mindset of like, wow, that's awesome. Like a new believer will come up to me thriving in Christ and I'll just be like, I don't, I don't know what it is. I Wow, that's awesome, man. But then I have a hint of pride inside of myself that's like, well, I know more than I know more than him now. You know, like, it's awful, dude. It's it's garbage. But um, do we truly like enjoy to see people thriving in Christ? And I was like, man, I feel like I don't enough. So, um, and then he sees even further. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. Um, he brings to mind a picture of the Old Testament. They were well acquainted with an Old Testament drink offering. <clears throat> um, a drink offering after an animal was placed on the altar, the priest would take 
um, either wine or honey or water, and they would pour it on the, burn, the burning sacrifice or on the ground in front of the altar, um, and it was symbolic. It, and and the, the smell would arise into the deity's nostrils of which it was being sacrificed to, and he, the aroma would please him. We hear that a lot in the Old Testament. Um, but it's all about the faith of the Philippians. For, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, it's all, here is another picture and expression of the Apostle Paul that it's all about the, the, the faith of the believers in Philippi. Um, so not only are we supposed to enjoy seeing others succeed in the faith, but we're supposed to sacrifice and serve them for that purpose. Um, do we selflessly serve to the increase of other people's faith. And that was another convicting thing. Like, this message is bad to... Just kidding, it's a good thing, but it's just hard because I feel like I don't do a lot of this stuff. Um, I don't know. You know, what does that look like? Selflessly serving to the increase of others. I think maybe taking someone aside to disciple them. Uh, putting time into preparing messages for them and lessons for them to understand the Bible, um, going out of your way to serve people, to help them see faith active in, in you. <clears throat> um, so he says, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering and a sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. It's a joy for him. It's a joy for him to selflessly sacrifice himself as a drink offering for the faith of the Philippians. He's affectionate for them. He loves them. Um, it literally means uh, I am glad and share joy with all of you. Um, it's, a, it's a joint. It's a symbiotic relationship. They're both receiving joy from this. Um, the application is just, okay, we all like to see ourselves as valuable to other people's faith, Right? Like, uh, that's how we should be. We should, serve, we should be serving them. We should be um, excited when we see others thriving in the faith. But do we see other people valuable to our, ourselves? Do we, do we see other people, other believers, as valuable to our faith? Uh, meaning, you know, do we value the friendship and the fellowship of believers like we should? Um, is that valuable to you? Does that increase your faith? Is that... Is that a joint thing? Is that a joint uh, sharing? Or are you just expecting to um, increase other people's faith? Are you not looking to receive fellowship that can increase your faith? And that's ultimately a pride issue that I think a lot of us struggle with. I do. Um, And then this is the concluding statement. In the same way, he's just exhorting them. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. So... um, that is the concluding statement of the Apostle Paul. Um, it's all about obedience is what we need to do. Uh, in verse 12, So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, that, I think that goes directly back to in verse 8, he's talking about Jesus Christ. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. That's our call, um, to be obedient to the word that we have heard. Um, without do all these things, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Um, be obedient, not out of grumbling. Uh, be satisfied in Christ. Serve others. Um, that's what this passage is all about. 
So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for um, your word, and thank you for letting me have the opportunity to study it, and I just thank you for the opportunity to uh, practice the, just preaching your word and teaching it, Lord, and I just pray, God, that we would be encouraged by your word and that we would be obedient, Father, that you produce in us passion and desire for the gospel and that, um, Father, we would just be satisfied in Christ and that we would be selfless, Lord, and serve others and uh, just look, have that shepherd's heart, Lord, we just love to see others thrive in the faith, Lord, and God, just use us for your glory and use us to encourage believers, Lord, um, for your kingdom. Um, please be with all the people in Connecticut again, Father, and just pray that you show them your mercies, Lord, and I just pray, God, that uh, we would live for you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.